0: Welcome back to In Search of Tarot, a podcast that utilizes the cards to examine new questions, question any answer, and reimagine the possibilities of our lives. My name is Nick Kepley, and I am honored to be your host. In Search of Tarot is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly, and so the project is entirely sustained by the generosity of our Patreon community. For as little as $2 a month, you can support this podcast, making it possible for me to bring you even more incredible guests and thought-provoking conversations. Head over to patreon.com slash manofthecards for more information and to join. Please know that you lend support simply through the act of listening and sharing this podcast with others. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to leave a rating and review, however short. This is the quickest and easiest way to help these conversations reach more ears. My guest today is Bobby Abate, a queer artist, filmmaker, activist, and tarot aficionado from Brooklyn, New York, and the creator of the new Outsider Tarot. An outsider himself since the first grade, Bobby found refuge in the underground world of provocateurs, artists, queers, and punks. His introduction to the Tarot was through the Tarot of the Cat People at the age of 17, and ever since, he has sought to create a deck that pays homage to all the beautiful misfits who live by their own rules. Bobby spent eight years researching and creating the Outsider Tarot, which marries ancient esoteric systems with the revolutionary spirit of the boundary-breaking forward thinkers that have left an indelible impression on his life visit at Bobby Sweet Kitty on Instagram to see his other artworks.
1: I'm I'm Bobby Abate, uh, filmmaker, artist, and creator of the outsider tarot. Um, Today I'm feeling very introspective and thinking about um, life in general, as my dad is preparing to leave this world. So it has a lot of um, particular spiritual, there's a lot of particularly spiritual resonance today and this week for me thinking about transitioning into another world and, um, and also being part of the earth um, and kind of going back into that. So that's where I'm at today. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really beautiful. And I, I'm definitely thinking of you in that as well. And thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. And, um, you know, it, that actually made me want to ask you about your father, like, you know what is your relationship to your father in relation to, to your spirituality and to your work in tarot?
1: Um, my dad is a very, very religious um, Roman Catholic person but not conservative in any way. He just was a very, throughout his whole life, very kind and loving person, though not very emotional. Um, And he always, he never expressed emotions. He came up of that era where men are being told to suppress emotions. Mm -hmm. So, he definitely instilled the spirituality in me because it was always about rituals, going to the church when I was a kid and making sure I did all of those things. And we, Roman Catholic, like the saints were all very huge presence in our lives, in our home. So I, that definitely instilled a spirituality in me. And, and I don't think one that's like, that was ever centered around money or riches the way um, some Christian religions in our country are right now that are very, very much about anger and rage or not being inclusive or being extremely conservative. Like my dad's approach and my whole family's approach was a loving one. Um, And I decided to leave the church just because the church itself was at that time, not um, inclusive in any way, shape or form was preaching against queer people. And it was not tolerant of people of color or other ethnicities, and so it felt very hypocritical to me. Um, I do think that my dad always kept his religion, but under but began to see some of the pain that it, that the words of the church were causing. So um, I don't know. He's a marker, you know. He wasn't ex- he wasn't exactly an example of like of uh, when it comes to tarot that type of spirituality, but it was the foundation. Um, mm. So. Um, I do owe him a lot and he had a very, he always had a very analytical mind. So I think that that's what allowed me to kind of get in there and do the research.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that. I'm curious to hear about your research process for the deck. Um, but to start, um, you know, you've named this deck, like you said, the outsider tarot. Um, I was telling you before we started recording, it's absolutely amazing. I I just love it. I can't wait to kind of keep getting to know it as I continue to work with it. But it's, I was telling you, it, it feels very gentle, yet also very provocative, um, and kind of feels like it's not going to let you get away with anything, but it's also going to lead you down some, you know, fun and welcoming rabbit holes as well. Um, And you've taken some really cool liberties with it as well that I'm excited to chat with you about. Um, But, uh, you know, first of all, I I would love to just talk to you about the word outsider. Um, Something that I read in your bio online is that you were an outsider, since the first grade who found your refuge in the underground world of provocateurs, artists, queers, and punks, as you say on your website. And so I would love to just know what does the word outsider mean to you? And in what ways has it shown up for you in your life?
1: I wanna first say that, you know, the word outsider is such a huge word and um, it definitely means something different to each person. And um, when I was writing the book, you know, the first section of the book is what is an outsider? And I spent almost a year going around in circles. And it was so hard to think about that. Um, You know, for me, my experience as being an outsider was um, not one of choice, right? So it just was like, there was just something natural that happened when I was very young, that I was always on the outside, I never really fit in with the group. So just like that kind of trope that we always hear the last one chosen to be on any team. And mm-hmm. I was just very socially awkward. And I think ki- um, kids really picked up on that. And when I was in elementary school and it just, it it when, once the, the, um, the role or the, once that kind of stereotype gets stuck to you, it's really hard to break out of it, like that role, because it's being imposed on you. And then you start to embody it. And doubt yourself and have all these different things that happen that was my my experience I started to doubt myself and have all these different um, insecurities that developed through school and so you know over time being on the outside was also where I felt safe and comfortable so um, in the book I write about you know even now like when I went to, art school I thought finally I was in this world with all these other outsiders and I was going to have this explosive renaissance in my life but even there I felt like an outsider and it always comes back um, like just like something in astrology like a planet like this feeling of being an outsider always comes back in life Um, sometimes I'm really integrated and extremely social and with everybody and other times I'm just like I have to be alone on the outside. So as life progresses, I realize that it's a point of perspective and a point of meditation. And that's why I named the deck the Outsider Tarot, because it's, it is a tool and a tarot to use when you're in that moment, or when you're approaching that moment, or even when you're outside of that moment. But it is coming from that perspective that I think many of us as queers or people of color or you know anyone on the outside feels um, that they need to have a reflection that their experience isn't actually part of a kind of more mainstream experience. And with the Rider Waite, which the deck, which I learned on thanks to Rachel Pollack and her book, The 78 Degrees of Wisdom, is that um, that deck is like, is medieval. It's all white people. It's created by a certain sect of people that I don't really feel any true connection to like the Golden Dawn and Arthur Waite and all these type of people. I love, I do love Pamela Coleman Smith quite a bit and that artwork is extremely gorgeous. But, um, you know, those decks that are predominantly white and speak to kind of very Western uh, fairy tales, like they don't really speak to me. Um, And I I always felt even outside of them as an outsider, like I never felt like I could dive into them and really get into that jive of what those cards were showing. I really started to understand the framework behind the the tarot and the outsider part of it. I think it just is what I always like right from that moment at 17, I was like, I want to make a tarot that comes from this perspective that I have of the world, which was Mm -hmm. always an outsider perspective. I didn't have that word outsider, but I really knew I like wanted to make a tarot that was coming from um, my perspective. And when I realized that even then, that there were so many different kinds of tarot decks like the Salvador Dali and the Alice in Wonderland tarot and Osvaldo Menagazzi was making kind of crazy tarot decks were all available in Boston, which is where I was living. I was like, I can do this. Like I can come at it and make a tarot with, from my perspective, Um, it did take 20 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So do you feel like your, your relationship with understanding the cards and kind of how to interpret them was also woven in with like your creating your own versions of the cards?
1: Well, it was like when I read Rachel's book, I understood that there was a system behind the tarot and there are energy centers in each and every card so what i started to realize is like i wasn't really even looking at the cards anymore when i was using the writer weight. i was just like looking at the suit and the number and remember and and i knew what the astrology was behind it but i wasn't really looking at the images anymore i just started buying deck um, other decks and and just reading with them or sometimes just playing cards Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of giving the systemic readings and energetic readings. So partly like uh, what I knew each card was bringing to the table with its energy centers, and then also trusting my intuition um, for the other half of it. So um, I kind of just like almost as soon as I learned the tarot, completely unraveled it, mm-hmm. um, com- you know, and, and understood that no card has any real set meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and then I was able to just kind of fold in my own ideas. Um, It was about three years before I started, uh, three or four years before I started to make the outsider tarot. And I just was sketching and I was like, this is what these energy centers, this is what these astrological uh, correspondences mean to me. This is what this, the tree of life, the Sephirothan tree, the tree of life means to me, Um, you know, and this is what, just all the, these different energy centers are adding up to me in this moment, um, the, the, the element of fire and the element of water. So just like adding those in and seeing what was coming out of me. Um, and those, those initial moments, those first cards that I designed were just literally all sketches.
0: And as you mentioned, I think, you know, what a long time it has taken you to, to make, to pull this off, which I think is really important to, you know, say, because I think a lot of people out there have big dreams of making a deck myself included, but it's like, you know, this is going to, this is going to be a commitment, you know? So, um, and according to your website, you know, it was about an eight year process of research and creation. So, you know, just tell us a little bit about that process, especially I'm curious how you did approach the research as you started to make the deck.
1: Well, at first actually the project was gonna be a video, uh, I'm a filmmaker, so it was actually not going to be a tarot deck, it was mm-hmm. gonna be a video project. Um, and I was gonna do the um, storyboards were gonna serve as the kind of cards. Um, I was gonna shoot a film for each card and then um, play when it would show in a, in a theater, I would um, have a program ready to go to create a random, array Wow. and you would see a narrative film like a kind of narrative film that was just based on the spread mm-hmm. um, but when I started drawing the big thing that is that I've had such a digital life I'm a I'm a filmmaker I'm a television editor my dad was a computer programmer so I've had my whole life on computers and in on the internet and when I started drawing with my hands I felt something that I just you know, hadn't felt since I was in the beginning of college, right back there when I was drawing and painting all the time. And it just felt like reconnecting to the nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, getting away from the computer. So, therein, I think this is the biggest lesson any tarot deck has to offer is a reconnection to the natural world. Mm. Um, so that. That is the underlying principle under the entire deck. Um, And the the rest of it was um, reading about, like literally the the first, the other thing that helped was Robert Wang's um, book, it's called The Kabbalistic uh, Tarot. Mm -hmm. Um, That really took it to the next level, totally nerded out. You'll never find a book that's as detailed and as (laughs) like, almost scientific as that one, when it comes to looking into the tarot, aside Mm -hmm. from like, you know, something that's maybe written by Crowley or something. Mm -hmm. He's also queer, Robert Wang, and he is absolutely off his rocker. I love him so much. (laughs) Um, But uh, he has this book and he's just so knowledgeable. And I read that whole book cover to cover about 10 times. So every time I read it, it brought some new perspective to the cards to each card into my mind. So um, creating the deck would be like, okay, I, I started with the Minor Arcana because I always feel like the Minor Arcana is the most disregarded in all the books, Absolutely. including Robert Wang's. Mm-hmm. And, but Robert Wang does give a ton of space to the, mi- the Miners. But uh, so I was like, the minors are speak to our everyday life. That's the life that we live. So I started with the minors and, um, completed all of them, drawing for all of the miners first, printed them out and started reading with it. Um, And it was a very slow process of like, this card doesn't work. This card needs to be tweaked. And in fact, I got rid of an entire suit. So there was a suit of shells instead Mm -hmm. of bottles I had for years. And I was like, I just don't connect to the shells. Like, I don't know why, but I don't connect to them. And um, I tried many other things and finally just settled onto bottles. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, every card I have a very, very intimate relationship with, and I probably have about 10 to 15 designs for every card. And each one would be like, okay, I'm going to do this card. I'm going to research it. I'm going to research the astrology. I'm going to research every single systemic part of this card and really f- feel what the energy is. And then also I'm going to like Pair this card with an outsider or a group of outsiders. And that is also another part of the equation that gets added in. And that's, I think, what makes the deck so different. Um, Mm -hmm. Is because there's this other energy center coming into the kind of um, framework of each card.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I I love that you took it for a test drive, (laughs) like as you, as you went, I mean, that, that seems so obvious, but I don't think I've ever heard another deck creator talk about that, about actually kind of seeing, you know, do these cards actually work? I mean, that's, that makes total sense.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I always have had since 2012, a a version of the deck with me. The first, many first versions were just black and white and they Mm. were just printed on my printer and sliced up. But I gave all of my friends readings with the decks and if we came to an area and the card wasn't speaking to us, I would just get rid of it and change it the next day and be like, okay, this is not working and I need something that would come, come out clearer. And so it was also a collaborative process because I was constantly asking people before I spoke, what do you, what's coming to you from this card? And that dreaded answer, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd really be like, okay, well, that's fair. I'm going to just redo it or I'm going to tinker with it and 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 see how I can push it forward.
0: One of the things I really wanted to ask you was, you know, I think that something that keeps people um, very loyal and very committed to the Rider Waite Smith deck and not that anything's wrong with it but just what makes it kind of hard to kind of evolve beyond I think is the layer the dense layering of symbolism you know that's in that mm-hmm. deck and so I wondered if as you were creating this deck you know were you thinking at all about okay you know these cards have to be able to keep opening and opening and opening, you know, the symbolism has to kind of be there so that there's layer on layer. Like, was that was that something that you were kind of thinking about as you made the cards?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I do think, um, uh, you know, I was, I really hewed closely to Pamela Coleman Smith, the style there because I, um, you know, and she intuited a lot of the, almost all of the minor arcana cards. Um, mm-hmm. So I really wanted there to, to be a rich story in every card and I really wanted each card to open itself up. And I wanted it to open up in the same way as Pamela Coleman Smith's art or not just hers, but the other kind of the Manly P. Hall, the other decks that were of that kind of that same era the the Thompson Mm Lang and um, the Utes Picard deck and all these things was just like, basically like almost like cartoons, black outlines with very flat fields of color. Mm -hmm. and um because there's something extremely it's like stained glass in a way or something but it's it's just allowing the color to trigger your your psychic response Mm -hmm. um but then also allowing your analytical brain to kind of get into the images and and draw connections because it's a lot of it is like a Rorschach test in a way where you're like you're just letting your brain kind of free associate and get in there and you're letting your spiritual mind, your psychic powers kind of get in there. And I think that's all inherent in the tarot and on the tree of life, which is like, you know, spirituality the, the rational mind versus the psychic mind and really trying to get them to come into balance mm. and finding a card, um, find, making a deck that really um, sparks, sparks that kind of seesaw um, action that happens between the rational mind and the psychic mind. Um, so I I was very careful and very deliberate about each card and the colors that went into every card and the the kind of design of the card and how it's centered and how many objects were in there and where the objects were placed and what the objects were. So you know and also the other side of that is not to go overboard. Um, with with the objects and the imagery and the symbolism, the writer uh, way is deceptively simple as much as it is complex.
0: Well, let's dive into some of the details of the deck that that you've changed because I'm excited to hear you talk about them. So you've renamed the suits to lights, bottles, eyes, and roses, and I'd love to hear you know how you decided on those.
1: Well, I think like you know this goes way back to the Alice in Wonderland tarot and all these other things. But, but um, you know the fact that you just that you can, I love mm-hmm. that. Um, I think that uh, you know swords are an object of war and and coins are an object of um, materialism. And while I think writer, I think uh, uh, Arthur Waite did a really good thing in changing those to pentacles to emphasize the magical powers of earth. Um, I kind of wanted to usher my the deck away from the um, kind of old school westernized um, magical objects, and then give 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 uh, acknowledgement to um, the symbols that were kind of reoccurring in my life and in my artwork. So I kind of looked back at my artwork and I assessed like what image what what objects are constantly reappearing in my life. And which which objects am I kind of vexed by or, in, or enchanted by? The light bulb was the first thing that came to my mind because I have always been so drawing light bulbs, and since high school and like there's just I mean, even going. I can remember being in carnivals and amusement parks when I was a kid and just staring at those flashing lights, and mm. they're just magical, like supremely magical objects that always captured my attention. Mm. Um, and the same with roses always around my house, uh, just as a Roman Catholic with St. Teresa, it was like kind of the patron saint of our household. And my grandmother would always be praying and asking for um, prayers to be answered. And she would find those prayers answered whenever she discovered a rose. Mm. There were roses all over our house. I, I, I just, the more I learn about roses and see them and grow them here, I. I really do understand them to be like these gorgeous, magical objects. And eyes constantly, you know, I'm just like, also, they're always appearing in my films and I'm always drawing them, I'm always drawn to them. They're the window to the soul. And they kind of make a perfect replacement for the sword, which is like, you know, a stare can cut like a sword and the eyes reveal what's in the soul. And the soul is about, you know, anima is energy is air so they all seem like it just feels like the eye is like the perfect window to the element of air
0: Mm. um mm. also also our eyes play tricks on us and our mind also plays tricks on us so i kind of love that too
1: yes 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 totally you can't always yeah exactly our eyes do play tricks on us we can't always see always trust what we're seeing in front of Mm. our eyes um and there's always that idea of the third eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bottles were, I, I, honestly, it was difficult because bottles seems very um, obvious to me. And I was struggling. I wanted to find something cooler. <laughs> um, but you know, the truth is that I do have a, an obsession with bottles. I have, and when we bought this house, my partner and I, we went and dug up the area in the back and it was filled with all these old bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what made me decide like, okay, I have to, and I, I kept them all, of course, <laughs> they're all here. <laughs> so I was like, I'm, I'm really ignoring the obvious. I just have to embrace the bottle. And, I, and then it really was so clear and easy to, um, to bring those into the suit um, in a way that cups and have them function in a different way than cups function.
0: I like to the idea of like a message in a bottle that oftentimes mm-hmm. is kind of thrown into the ocean, you know?
1: Yeah, that's what the Ace of Bottles is. It's a, mm-hmm. it's like this idea of doing that, um, of like, of connection um, th- through the element of water, right? The idea mm-hmm. is send a little pen pal letter and throw it in the ocean so maybe it goes across.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then what about the court cards? I really like that you call them the elementals um, because Lately, that's been my favorite way to work with the court cards to try to sort of get rid of the hierarchy that's kind of been in there for a long time and um, the gender and everything. But I, I kind of have been preferring to work with their elemental correspondences. So you've renamed them Sparks, Billows, Fathoms, and Roots. So tell us about those.
1: Well, the card cards, yeah, I feel like the same thing. It speaks to privilege and higher blood privilege, hi- you know, hierarchies and a system that I think is highly gendered system. Um, So yeah, it needed to go. And I really, really spent a long time wondering about that and coming up with different ideas. But in the end, the uh, I did go to a tarot, the tarot school workshops in the very beginning around 2012. Mm -hmm. um, And the teacher was Walt Amberstone. um, And he was the one that was saying, you know, you can start to think of the court cards as a combination of elements, like the suit of bottles is water, and the king. I think he was referring to that to the king's as air. Um, mm-hmm. So you bring water and air together, and that that really opened my interpretation of reading tarot cards at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, that, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna run with that, and um, I'm gonna get words that kind of embody the element. So spark of fire, a billow like a cloud of of air. The fathoming, you know, to dive fathoms in connects to the water and the root, um, and and then just have these literally be an embodiment of the meeting of elements. Mm. Um, and it's so different every time I read. So there, there's of course it winds up being that there's two right. There's going to be the fathom of light brings water and fire together, but we get water and fire together again um, in the uh, spark of bottles. Right. So it's, it's also interesting to see what happens when you bring fire into the realm of water and water into the realm of fire, you right. get very different things.
0: Yes. I, this is exactly how I've been teaching lately too. And it's interesting to hear everybody's different thoughts on that, you know, and it does lead you down some really interesting rabbit holes. And also I think <laughs> gives, it gives you so many good like visualizations, you know, in a way that, that like queen of wands, just for me, doesn't always do, you know, like when you're, when you're talking about nature and elements, um, it's just, it's more open, I guess, you know, it leaves more Mm -hmm. room, room for potential and for possibility.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the queen of the queen, the king, all those things, is just like, they speak to, yeah, they just speak to privilege that I don't believe those words need to go away Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I think like any any deck that goes beyond it but I have always noticed too that people um and even with my deck um when you when you remove that they struggle um readers struggle to remember and I I, they're always struggling to in my when I do a reading they're asking oh so that's like the queen and I'm like no it's I I, I always (laughs) like it's actually like think of water, uh, think of water flowing through the realm of Earth. Think of water flowing over over soil. Right. That's what it's like. It's not. It's not like the queen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and then what about? Let's talk about some of the some specific cards that are in the deck. Um, I was very curious to hear your inspiration for the ghost card.
1: Okay. So the ghost car. Is um, an art installation that by um, an artist group named dot or site S I T E, a German group of artists mm-hmm. in the town that I grew up in. There was a shopping, there is a shopping plaza that in the 80s embraced a lot of artists and art making. Mm-hmm. So across the entire front of the parking lot, they had installed um, cars that in which people had died and um, covered them with the black asphalt. Um, and I was driving around as a little kid and I was always vexed and I was just in love with them. They totally captured my imagination. They looked like they were emerging from the ground and they were so haunting even then. Um, so when I went to go do this design for the chariot, the, uh, the ghost car chariot, right, um, right. I, I had replaced, I had already designed the entire major arcana with figures. Mm-hmm. and uh, I threw the entire, that entire thing out. <laughs> and when I got back to the chariot, the first thing that came to mind were these cars um, because they don't move anywhere. And the big thing about the chariot and um, a lot of decks is that you know they're, they're, they're totally static and it's about traveling to other planes. So this was like the idea of this ghost car, which is a car covered in black asphalt with a red chair in a shopping center. <laughs> so it's the idea that you, know, you can have these like joy rides to other spiritual planes um, without literally going anywhere. It's about tuning out the distractions and not physically moving away from them. Mm-hmm. So it's the first big j- lesson in our journey that we don't have to run um, to be more evolved.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I read that page in your guidebook, because I think it's on your website. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have to tell you that I've never thought of that card that way. But I, I love it. I mean, that adds a lot to to the way I think about the chariot. Um, I mean, I've definitely, I, I know what you mean about the whole stationary part of it, but I've never thought about the sort of psychic travel and different kinds of travel that you could that you can do. So I really appreciated that.
1: Yeah. Um, and then and it's like it's, it's related to cancer too so it's like right kind of about like go, like going deep into the self itself um so the meditation there uh, each each major arcana has a me- meditation like stage directions um <laughs> it, it really brings you it sinks you into the car and takes and takes you for a joy ride so you see where where you where you need to go
0: yes um and then I would love to talk about adjustment, which is, I believe, justice, um, because this mm-hmm. episode is going to come out in Libra season. So it's kind of appropriate mm-hmm. to, to talk about that card. So what it, tell us a little bit about that. The, the image, if I'm remembering correctly, it's a mushroom with two needles with thread coming yeah. out of them. Yeah, so yes. tell us about that.
1: Well, the original design of that was going to be a pincushion, like one of those Victorian mm-hmm. tomato pincushions. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but I, I was like, I have to, I was like there absolutely has to be a mushroom somewhere in the major arcana and, and the mushrooms are they are the neural network of the natural world right they are like kind of the the the, uh, the neurons that like their little fibers travel throughout the forest and you know they keep trees alive or tell them you know let them die if they need to die and you know then they're just they're all it's like the interconnection of the natural world that we don't quite always understand or we're just discovering so much about their power. Um, And the Amanita Muscaria, uh, which appears in that card, is a card that has fascinated and enchanted people throughout centuries. It is the inspiration for Santa Claus and Alice in Wonderland and the Smurfs. And it's, you know, but as a mushroom in and of itself, it has the power if you take it to either make you very sick or to give you visions. Mm -hmm. So uh, that goes back to the Hebrew letter that goes behind, um, that's traditionally associated at least in um, the Hermetic Kabbalah to uh, to justice, which is Lamed, which means ox prod. So it's like when the fool gets stuck at the very center of their journey, it's like, it's the little prod that pushes you along and, or it makes an adjustment for you or tells you that maybe you aren't ready to go any further yet, that you have to kind of go back to a few of the scenes that came beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why kind of Arthur Waite, I agree with what he did when he switched um, adjustment and um, uh, strength uh, Mm -hmm. back with each other to put adjustment right at the center of the majors, because it is a moment where um, we need we need some adjustments made. So justice, it, it is, it is about that same type of balance that justice has, but it's more personal. It's about it's kind of like making the necessary course, course corrections um, to go further down the path towards, you know, towards the world card.
0: Yeah, and I—it's funny. I just watched Fantastic Fungi on Netflix and oh, wow. lear- learned all about all of what you're talking about. So that's that's a perfect visualization. Um, uh, and then you've got two options for the two of bottles. We talk about about those.
1: Oh yeah, so the um, you know the original version is Dorothy Parker, um, mm. and I found like her, an album read by Shirley Wilkes Booth, uh, Hazel, the TV sitcom, the, the actress who was Hazel, reading that story. Uh, the story is called The Telephone Call. Um, and it's about this person just waiting for a love interest to call. <laughs> <laughs> and at the, when I found that album in the garbage, I really related to it so strongly that kind of obsessive longing for love um, I really wanted it to be um, the, the version of the, um, the billow of bottles uh, so that's why there's one version with a telephone and a, and a butterfly coming through because it's like waiting and being contained and then being released, mm. um, but uh, at the same time you know, that stuff with Britney started happening and it's really hard to, uh, the Free Britney movement um, was kind of taking form. And um, I have no, I don't, I can't deny that I love Britney Spears. Yeah. You know? so <laughs> You're in good um, company. <laughs> was, yeah, so I was just in, you know, she's kind of like this, um, I didn't put Judy Garland in the deck, but I think for our generation as queers, like she is a Judy Garland figure. She is a kind of quasi-spiritual figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like queer people are attracted to people like Judy Garland or Brittany because, um, they're, 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 they're icons, pop icons, but we, we know their flaws and their hurt and their pain. Mm. And that connects to, um, the level in which we've had to, in the past hide. Um, you know, we kind of just connect to that, especially having, uh, reservations with, organized religions we kind of make our own um icons and deities um so i wanted to really make another version with britney and not really change it all the other cards i would change right Mm -hmm. Um, but these two i didn't want to get rid of the dorothy parker i love it so much so i let them both say and let people choose or i I honestly just keep them both in there
0: yeah that's awesome i love it um Yeah. So now that you've kind of come to the finish line of this project, that's been going for so long, do you feel any, um, you know, any sort of intimidation or weight about kind of saying that it's finished? You know, I I was thinking, as you were talking about how often you kept changing the cards, do you feel like, Oh, wow, this is now, this is it, you know, this is this card, at least for this version of the deck, this is the way this card is going to look like, how do you feel about that?
1: Well, you know, I th- my partner was at some point, he was like, you got to call it done <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because, you know, a lot of it was like, I could just keep going and going and going. It's an artist dilemma. Like, when mm-hmm. do you call something done? Um, and, you know, after I changed added Brittany and I added, I changed like three or four other cards. I was like, okay, this is, this is done. Like, I mean, I, at this point, I'm on the verge of just creating a whole other deck. Um, so I really just focused on um sharing the deck with the world at that point and um going forward and writing the book, which which I struggled with the same thing. I rewrote the book three or four times, to, you know, trashed the whole book and rewrote the whole book over and over again. So mm-hmm. um <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a constant thing of like wanting it to be perfect, but realizing, you know let it go out in the world, and if I do, I might do, if it, if it has success, then maybe I'll do a second version of it, and replace some cards, you know, and, and update it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I love how you put it out into the world, you, if anyone isn't familiar, you, um, sent all of us, a a lot, a bunch of us, uh, a card from the deck, and, um, we took a picture with it, and it had the really neat, um, a piece of writing with it I remember and I the one you sent to me was two of wands and I I really connected with that image um did you do it at random or work. did you did you like choose for a reason or how did you do that
1: uh some of them I did at random and others I just like if I knew somebody I would like kind of like choose a card to go because um that you know reminded me of them mm-hmm. I, so um so you know it was I there was a little bit of thought process it wasn't like I shuffled the cards and sent let the tarot decide, I just kind of sent, sent, sent them out with, based on like feelings I got. So yeah, I definitely, um, with, with the two of wands, um, you know, it's, one of, I, it's a card that's really close to my heart. It's a Truman uh, Capote card. Yeah. And such an inspirational text called Other Voices, Other Rooms that mm-hmm. changed my life. Um, so I don't know, somehow I just felt like that was a good card to send you.
0: I'm really honored by that. I love Truman Capote. I, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I love it. And I, as soon as I looked and it's funny, cause I, I wouldn't say that that card is usually one that I super feel connected to, but this particular, um, image, I like instantly really felt connected. I, I mean, it, it is a blonde, you know, figure. So like there is that, but like, <laughs> it just, I don't know. I just like really, I like how the figure, even though it's the two of wands, which sometimes is made to look kind of very, forward looking and sort of like you know feels like you're about to go on a big journey or something this image is a little introspective and i i like that a lot because that feels like me like i am an artist but i also am very introspective so i really liked it i I was loved opening that and seeing that card
1: thank you yeah i mean it's like um that 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 card is like a hot summer night and Mm -hmm. uh, you know and like getting up and it's so hot and your mind you're brain takes over mm. and you just you just go outside and let your thoughts like that's why that characters the figure is sitting along a river because their thoughts are kind of pouring into the river which is moving into the future and thinking about everything right so it's yeah it's uh, um about all the possibilities and desires so mm. there's there's a fireiness there and there's also a peace
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I love that so much. Um, Yeah, and I wanted to tell you that someone actually on Instagram recently commented um, that they really appreciated the way that you rolled that out, um, sending cards to everyone, because it felt like you were bringing us all together. You know, it felt like you really were reaching out and building community and bringing outsiders in, you know, so thank you for the way you
1: did that. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that was, that was so that was such an amazing moment. Like I could hardly believe it. Um, it was just, that was just the best part of the year, honestly, like mm. seeing everybody's photos with the cards and having the cards and what a way to release the, a, a project into the world like that, to just yeah. kind of kick it off. Like it, it was a special moment. Thank, thank you for saying that. And it, um, it just was, it was, it was like one of the best moments of my, of my life, to be honest. (laughs) Mm, I love that. Um, so what do you want
0: people to kind of take away from working with this deck? Like, what would you say is your, your greatest hope that if someone gets this deck, you know, what, what is the experience you want them to have?
1: Um, I just really want them to use it and get, and (laughs) to feel comfortable going to it on a daily basis, um, to feel safe with it, um, uh, to get, kind of energy and advice from our elders that have a lot of the people that are in the deck, pictured in the deck have passed. Um, And so their energy is there. Um, And also to feel like, not to not feel outside of the deck, but to feel inside of the deck. And I think with the major arcana, there's no figures in it. It's like a speech that I give now, but they're just sets pieces and um, costumes. So, the biggest outsider in every deck is the is the person that has the deck or the person that's getting the reading because the entire major arcana is is their story and their scene. so they 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 inhabit that entire um, arcana. Um, so I just really hope that people use it. I have so many decks that I buy all the time. I have hundreds of decks, but you know I don't really honestly use them right right. <laughs> they're, they're there and I love and I'll show them to people and I'll bring them out um, and I see a lot of people use some of the decks that I have religiously on Instagram and in practice um, or methodically but um, I just I hope that people will use the deck and bring it out I hope the deck gets all run down and Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, gets all tattered on the sides and bent and creased from overuse that's that's what I want and yeah. I really want to learn from people
0: yeah you're so I mean you're so right like I feel like there are decks that you collect and then there are decks that you use I'm the same way I have about maybe four decks tops that I read with you know pretty regularly um but this one is meant to be used I really I mean that I mean you, you can feel I can feel that you tried it out, you know, and that you made sure it works because it, it's just really layered, you know, it's really, um, it just has usefulness. I just think people really will, will use it. So tell people how they can buy it, tell them how they can find you and follow you and also how they can uh, purchase the deck.
1: Um, well, you could always go to OutsiderTarot.com and at Outsider Tarot on Instagram, um, and even on Facebook. And uh, there will always be a link to, uh, to purchase it there.
0: Amazing. Well, Bobby, thank you so much again for taking this time to chat with me. And thank you for making this true, true labor of love and work of art. I mean, you can feel the love you put into it when you see the card. So just thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to let me talk about it. In Search of Tarot is hosted, edited, and produced by
0: Nick Kepley. Theme music was written and recorded by A.J. Ackleson. A transcript of this episode is available online at manofthecards.com slash transcripts.